0: In this episode of Tech It Up Talk, tune into a discussion about dyslexia and technology with Miss Jeanette Washington, author of Technical Difficulties Why Dyslexic Narratives Matter in Tech. You ready? Here we go. The Tech It Up Talk podcast aspires to educate, inform, and inspire educators from teachers to school leaders on tips, tools, and resources to support the integration of technology into classroom instruction. You're listening to Tech It Up Talk with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators from teachers to school leaders with the integration of technology into instruction. In today's show, we are discussing why dyslexic narratives matter in tech. And I have the pleasure of having a special guest today, Miss Jeanette Washington, who has worked as both a speech language pathologist and software engineer. Her experience working largely with dyslexic learners has earned her recognition in the Washington Post alongside the co-founder of the Neal Center for Dyslexia and Creativity. Jeanette is trained as a letters instructor, and that is language essentials for teachers of reading and spelling. Now, learning to code further ignited her passion for special populations in the tech industry and inspired her to write the book, Technical Difficulties, Why Dyslexic Narratives Matter in Tech. And Jeanette can always be found boasting the importance of accessibility, inclusivity, cognitive diversity or neurodiversity, and equity in tech. However, I have the pleasure of having her here on the Tech It Up Talk podcast to grace us with her passion our knowledge and advocacy to bring awareness to understanding dyslexia as a narrative for opportunities in the tech industry. So I would like to give a warm welcome to my special guest today, Ms. Jeanette Washington.
1: Thank you so much for your very warm and thorough <laughs> introduction. I'm excited to be here and to share with your audience some items that may resonate with them.
0: Oh, I'm excited to have you here and you know, the goal for this episode is to bring awareness to dyslexia as a narrative for opportunities in technology and I'm ex- I'm so excited that you're here because when I first saw your profile, like on Twitter, I saw your book and I immediately purchased it and I feel like it's a relevant topic that is not often highlighted in education Um, as well as the tech industry, um, or even the workplace for that matter. And so I wanted to support bringing it to the forefront uh, for us as educators, for educational leaders, as well as leaders who are in the technology industry. And so your knowledge and your expertise can definitely help better inform educational leaders and industry leaders to enhance their instructional and professional support, their systems, functionality in the classroom, and the workplace. So I wanna first start by just you um, sharing with us, what is technical difficulties all about?
1: All right, excellent question and um, a great way to kind of discuss a little more in-depthly about technical difficulties. I actually wanna start with a quote from Bill Gates that i've often used when i'm speaking with teachers um, like-minded individuals and it's simply that technology is just a tool in terms of getting the kids working together and motivating them the teacher is the most important okay so i like to just always set the tone with a nice quote and that one is fitting because i want educators to understand their importance Um, in the space that we're in the digital age you know teachers educators, um, personnel, leadership, everyone is still important within this space. Um, So my book, Technical Difficulties, Why Dyslexic Narratives Matter in Tech, is a inspiratory guide that i wrote it's not very long Um, i know you grabbed a copy so it's a nice quick read you can read it while flying or while taking a quick break in between maybe sessions with kids and um it really highlights how individuals who identify as dyslexic can use their specific skill sets to um, be an asset to the tech industry and be an asset in a position that they might find in technology. And so why did you decide to write this book? What inspired you to write it? So my inspiration came from working as a speech therapist and I worked with a lot of students who fell under the category of having a specific learning disorder, and when we looked deeper into that diagnosis, we found that they were dyslexic. So. I had to do a lot of work on the back end to understand what dyslexia was or what it is, because that wasn't something I learned about in graduate school. Um, It was really like a mythical disorder that you might hear about, you might encounter. But um, when I learned more about dyslexia, I took it upon myself to be the person to help individuals to discover their voice with that. Now the technical piece comes in because I worked as a software engineer and working within that space gave me a really dynamic intersection of seeing people with special needs who were working in the tech industry and really thriving. And it gave me an opportunity to look at those different skill sets that they bring to the table, like that deductive reasoning or their big picture thinking and things like that were um, really unheard of to a lot of people. And they were like, what does that even mean? But again, I made it my business to learn more about it and to get some further knowledge so I can present it. Right. And so you, you mentioned discovering their voices, which I think is
0: very powerful for, it, for all of us to discover our voice. So just if you can kind of give us some, um, you know, my, my background is not in special populations. So when I talk to people, I, I'm always inspired to want to learn more. So what is it that students are challenged
1: with that, uh, that may identify as being dyslexic uh, as a student in school? So, um, dyslexia is a learning disorder that involves difficulty with reading due to problems identifying speech sounds and learning how they relate to letters and sounds. So, at the core of dyslexia, you will find issues with decoding and phonological awareness, insufficiencies. Um, It can impact the way in which you utilize words, so your vocabulary could be stagnant. It may affect the way that you speak because you are unable to locate those different words to use within a sentence or within a social setting. It can affect the way you read um, and that can involve comprehension. So you may read something over and over and over again and you're like, I still don't know what this means to me or (laughs) how this relates at all. So, um, and it can involve your writing. So a lot of individuals who have dyslexia, they have issues with, um, you know, seeing something and writing it exactly as they see it. So it does affect quite a, a lot of your faculties. And so that's why it's really important that we learn more about it. But a lot of states don't have any regulations or any laws in place to, help accommodate those who have been diagnosed with dyslexia. So it's still an anomaly. Like people are like, what is that? Or you'll hear people often say, oh, I have dyslexia. And they're just using it as a sense of being relatable. But it's like, do you really have dyslexia?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, which kind of leads into my next question. Like, what do you feel is misunderstood about students and professionals with dyslexia?
1: So a common thing I can say has been misunderstood is that dyslexic students are lazy students. Um, that can be misinterpreted through the fact that the students may not want to read aloud in class. You know, a teacher may say, hey, read paragraph nine, and the student may be very hesitant or reluctant to read. So then the teacher may look at that student as being lazy or even worse, they may label that child with some behavioral issues. Okay, so that's another subset of symptoms that we may see frequently. Um, Also, when it comes to calling um, a student lazy, I think what's important to understand is that the effort that's exerted and the energy that goes forth in a dyslexic student trying to read can make them um, see the the words jumbling on the page, moving around, and it can cause some frustration. So mm-hmm. I think when we're looking at um, dyslexia from a standpoint of you know a teacher wanting to understand more, it's usually gonna be those students who are struggling and um, you can't really put up finger on it, or you can't really identify exactly what's happening, but you know that when it comes to writing, speaking, spelling, and um, reading, they are not uh, meeting that milestone for their um, generally developing peers, or they're not meeting those benchmarks.
0: Right. And so what advice would you give um, educators
1: in supporting um, them in the classroom? So I think that, um, diagnoses are important because once you have a title to what's going on with that child, then you know how to move forward. However, in some districts that may not be how things work, you know, there may be a long or a lengthy waiting period before you can get tested or assessed. So I would say to look at creating accommodations that can be helpful for all of your students. We talk a lot about um, the universal design for learning within that education space. So it's Mm -hmm. important to look at ways in which you can create an activity that each child can benefit from and each child can play a part in providing input on that activity. For instance, I think about, um, like now we're in the age of Zoom. So a lot of our class meets are via Zoom. Have you thought about potentially Having those recordings readily available to your students afterwards so they can watch it again and get another insight for what was happening in class that day. Or for some students having that closed caption so they can go back and kind of read over exactly what was said. Um, having a graphic organizer set up so that students can um, fill out what is the lesson's main point and purpose that particular day. So, having things like that in place would not only be helpful for, for dyslexic learners, but you'll find that all learners would benefit from, you know, graphic organizers, yeah. recordings, closed captions, things like that.
0: So, you, do you think that the pandemic has had a positive, somewhat of a
1: positive impact for teacher instruction to help support dyslexic students? Oddly enough, I do. I think that this has been a wake-up call. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of people who were sleeping were forced to wake up and (laughs) and smell the chaos around them. Yes. So um, I believe that the pandemic, though it has been very tragic, there has been a lot of things that have been eye-opening to come out of this, especially within the education setting. Um, Mm -hmm. Just thinking about the trauma of teachers going back to school and wearing masks and vaccines and just everything in between has been so out of the ordinary for us it's forced us to pivot essentially Mm -hmm. so i think that the pandemic though it has been unfortunate it had to happen and that there are some great things that are going to come out of this oh i
0: completely completely agree Now, there was one thing uh, that you wrote in your book that really stood out to me, and you stated that the classroom sets the tone, but the workplace perpetuates the cadence. And so, (laughs) that really stood out to me when, when I read that. And so, what disconnect do you think there is between students with dyslexia when they leave school to enter into the workspace?
1: So, a lot of dyslexic learners end up teaching themselves how to read because they are not provided with the adequate tools in the school setting. So that means that they have issues with potentially um, coping mechanisms. They have issues maybe with trauma because teacher forced them to read aloud in front of their peers and, and that was frightening to them. Um, so when they go into the workspace in the workplace, they have all of these unknowns And a lot of times the the classroom and the trauma you face there spills over into the workplace. You have employers who don't want to provide simple things like meeting notes before a meeting. So you can stay anchored in what's going on or they may give you just a ton of work and don't tell you what should be the precedent or onboarding can look really chaotic at some companies and those with dyslexia or um, with ADHD, because ADHD and dyslexia uh, occur about 60% of the time. So there is a comorbidity of about 60%. So the organization, the time management, it's so many different things that can um, develop insufficiently once you hit the workplace. Because a lot of times when we get to the workplace, it's like, oh, you're an adult, here is your contract, sign here and do this. And it's not really a great place for us to learn and grow. What about those individuals who don't know how to read and they did not gain that reading ability in school and now they're in the workplace because they slipped through the cracks. What does that look like for them? So um, the workplace as well as the the schooling and, and class place, they can look alike. Um, we see a lot of draconian and and, and very um, antique <laughs> ways of learning and, and building and growing and working that should certainly be different. And I'll say this, for instance, a lot of companies during this pandemic um, are making their employees work online now. But before then, it was unheard of. They would never, they couldn't even consider it. But now it's <laughs> like, okay, now you can work from home. So, so things <laughs> like that, it's like, really, uh, it's, 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 so layered. It's so layered.
0: Wow. Yes. Yes. That is amazing. And so, I, you, you know, you talked about employers and making, um, careers accessible, I guess, for mm-hmm. those who are interested in pursuing. And so what can employers do to better support professionals that may have dyslexia?
1: So I think about the very first stage of employment, which is that interviewing process. So if an individual with dyslexia is going into a job interview and they have issues with um, comprehension or retrieving the right words to say to answer a question, that can immediately be problematic. And cause an employer to say, "Yeah, we don't want to hire this person because no. they didn't know what to say, or how to say it." So, I'm looking at more ways in which we can create project-based uh, mm-hmm. interviews. So, have them create, have them complete a task, have them create maybe a website or do something like that at the. Um, surface of the interview so you can really gain an understanding of this person's uh, qualities and what they can bring to the proverbial table and then move mm-hmm. forward into some more um, traditional uh, interviewing processes. So what about not like why not have the interview questions sent to the person prior to so they know how to. They will go about answering those questions, or they can prepare for the interview. All right? Yeah, I think that's a good point because
0: a lot of times we go through these uh, interview questions, and you get the person on the other end this may not have been what you thought that it was. They sounded really good on, on paper and maybe talked their way through the interview, but is the work there? So I like the idea of the um, problem-based um, skill being displayed
1: early on before deciding to hire someone based on the conversation. Um, So I think that is awesome. We wanna set them up for success and not for failure. And a lot of times when we're thrusting uh, dyslexics and ADHD and autistic learners out into the world, it's it's almost like we're setting them up for failure because we're not giving them the proper tools and the employers are not equipped to provide the proper tools so they don't know what's needed um and that's when that self-advocacy piece comes in because um if you are dyslexic you need to know what works for you what's suitable for you so that when you are going to your employer you can say hey i prefer to have the um the notes or to have the information read to me. So this is what I use. I use Dragon Naturally Speaking. Or, you know, just being able to be comfortable with what your needs are and finding a way to uh, fulfill those needs. Okay. And so what
0: advice would you give students um, with dyslexia that may be interested in entering
1: into a technology field? I think that the world needs more dyslexics in the, the workplace and specifically in technology. I have a quote in my book that, um, you know, technology will only be as good as the person it does the least for or the people mm. that it does the least for. And if we don't have dyslexics um, and autistics and everything else on that continuum of special needs or disabled, If we don't have people like that at the table, then we will continue to create tech tools and products that don't serve them and that don't provide um, accessibility for them. So we want to make sure that they are at the forefront of our conversations and our decision-making. And and to kind of go back to what you were saying about like what advice, I would just say that your voice is important and it's needed. So, but um, we want to hear it, you know, and continue to advocate, continue to speak up, continue to amplify uh, yourself, your voice, and your needs, so that we can make it happen for you.
0: I think that's important too, because that's something even with any kid that we should support them in advocating for themselves, so that they can go out and do those type of things. Because I, I could see someone who may have a learning disability that's a little more reserved and wants to share that information. And you know, I'm a um, parent, my son is autistic. And I, I mean, that's something that I, you know, I think about. He's you know, a teenager right now, but he's gonna have to go into the world advocate for himself. And yep. I know that that is something that I worry about. And I'm worrying like, is that something that we're teaching our students to do in school? Um, and putting that um, student agency and student advocacy into um, our teaching and our practices. So I I, I like that point. Let's go ahead and move on to our next segment of the show, which I like to call, Get Your Tech Together. (laughs) So in this segment, I would like for you to share some specific technology tools or applications that you feel educators or employers or even students with dyslexia should have in their digital toolbox?
1: Alrighty. So first and foremost, I would say um, any type of audio software that provides um, speech to text is gonna be important because dyslexic learners are going to have um, some struggles with and some challenges with writing. So if it's possible, you can just speak into a tool and it will provide that writing labor for you you definitely want to look into that um you also want to look at text to speech and that can include like audible or um naturally dragon naturally speaking but anything where it can take the text that you i'm sorry the text that you have and Provide audio for you is going to be super helpful because, again, being dyslexic is going to um, cause a little more of a labor to read and to comprehend. But if someone is reading that to you or a device is reading that to you, that's going to cut down and cut that time in half, so that you can actually gather that information a little quicker and with your your age-appropriate peers. So those are the first two things that I would say are helpful. Um, Another would be to utilize some graphic organizers that are available online. They have some virtual ones. You can kind of fill in the blanks and that will help you stay anchored on your schoolwork or a job task. One website that comes to mind for me is going to be MindMeister. And that is a website that will allow you to create some graphic organizers and help you essentially to um, really put those points into place. So you understand, okay, this is the bigger picture and these are the smaller subsets of that picture. This is how I can achieve this particular goal. And again, that can be whether you are looking at schoolwork and an assignment, or that can be in the workplace and completing an assignment there.
0: Okay. Yeah, I like that. Um, one of the tools that I do share when I support teachers, is, especially for the uh, text-to-speech, is the Immersive Reader. And okay. so um, one of the things I like about the Immersive Reader is that you can... They have an, it's, it's all of Microsoft products, but I like that it's also um, an extension that's I'm sorry, That's available in the Chrome Web Store that you can apply um, onto any web page, and they can leverage that piece there to do the text speech and um, adjust the speed and the voice where they want female or male voice. So I, I, that's one of the ones I, I always promote when I'm um, supporting teachers with students who need uh, accommodations. But you know, what I would like to see, and I don't see it used often, is the speech to text part in the classroom mm-hmm. and leveraging that dictation feature. And I'm wondering if that's a push or if educators know how to kind of leverage that within their instruction to kind of um, use it. So that's definitely something that I think is a a good thing to think about and how you can leverage that into the classroom. Because I've noticed even myself when I'm taking notes and sometimes it's hard for me to get started with writing that I I use that dictate feature and I'm in my Google Docs to just listen in and write. And go. sometimes <laughs> I even tried it over the weekend actually. I was at a, a conference and I was trying to capture all the nuggets that I was getting from the speakers. <laughs> and I couldn't write fast enough to get the nuggets in and I was like, Oh, what was they going say? And um, but I had to dictate on so it was capturing what she was saying for me as I was listening through the um, the through the web conference and so I think it's amazing. That's definitely a great suggestion.
1: I um I would say that almost exclusively I am using Audibles and audiobooks. Like I don't even try to to read and comprehend that information that way um, because sometimes it becomes too much of a, a, a task and a hassle. We're at that age now um, where we're multitasking. We're doing multiple things at one time mm-hmm. and making an intentional stance to listen to, um, information or listen to a book has really been helpful for me. So I'd agree, you know, and that's again, that self-advocacy piece, like kind of knowing what works for you and then telling people, Hey, this works for me. So now, you know, going in, but when you don't know, it's really hard because you can't really expect someone to, to be able to give you some cookie cutter solution. (laughs) and may not work for you. So it's all trial and error. There are tons of tools out there. Um, You just got to figure out which ones work best for you and do that and use that.
0: Okay, well, let's go ahead to our last segment of our show. I call it the Tech okay. Smackdown. <laughs> and, and this part, it's just where you give the your best tips and, you know, usually when I have more than um, one person as a guest, they kind of go battle for battle. But it's usually uh-huh. just a place where we live, lead with our best practices so that our listeners can walk away with uh, tips and best practices they can take back with them and thinking about our topic today, which is why dyslexic narratives matter with Miss Jeanette Washington. And so what are your top three tips for our listeners to take away about dyslexic narratives and technology?
1: All right, so um, definitely grab my book. I have some really great resources and some infographics within the book that will help guide your thinking and help navigate your thought process as you're developing a better understanding of dyslexia and overall how technology can help support those with dyslexia. So I will say a quick tech tip is um, always Google the error message that you see. If you see an error message and you like, I have no idea what this is, what is going on, Google it. You will be surprised. There are millions of people who have Googled that same error message, <laughs> and they found a solution. I don't think we realize that enough. Um, so Google it. Everything will work a little better if you restart it. So sometimes you have to restart, and that includes you. Sometimes you need a reset, a restart. Um, for yourself. So consider that with technology. And um, I just wanna say that technology is only gonna be as good as the people that it does um, release for. So let's make sure we're bringing those diverse voices to the table as we are developing tools and as we are developing um, resources and even developing ourselves into better educators. Let's bring some, some different voices to the table. Think about those students who haven't gained much from your instruction. So what can we do to support those students with hopes that we support all students? Um, just think about things like that. It's time for us to be more reflective. Um, mm. I think that this is the, the time for us to really use metacognition to think about um, what we can do better. Let's not kill ourselves, but (laughs) let's definitely (laughs) because I know sometimes we can be hard on ourselves. We want to give ourselves grace, but we also want to think about what we're doing, how we're doing it and our why ultimately.
0: Right. Well, share with our listeners how and where they can purchase your book and connect
1: with you to become
0: a part of our network.
1: Yes, yes. So we are excited for you all to become part of our network. Um, I can be found on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My company is called Barely Articulating, and that's spelled B-E-A-R-L-Y, like a bear, an actual bear, um, like the animal. And so you can find me there if you are looking specifically for my book. You can find that on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I will have it as an Audible very, very soon. So Whoa. look out for that. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Jeanette. It has been a pleasure having you on. I'm so excited to have my copy of the book. has There's some great information in here. And it's been a, actually a good collective experience even for myself in um, thinking on how I'm supporting teachers. And so uh, thank you for being inspired to write this. And I'm definitely gonna share with others and I'm hoping that they can get some positive um, um, nuggets out of here just like I have for myself to consider when working with students and others who may have uh, learning disabilities. And so-
1: thank you so much for um, inviting me on and for allowing me to be a guest to use this space to highlight information about dyslexia and technology. I'm so grateful. And um, I do hope that you get some knowledge nuggets and you can share them with the rest of us. From I, sure. <laughs> I sure will, <laughs> all right, well, thank
0: you. Thank you for listening to the Tech It Up Talk podcast with Dr. Mac, your host with the most passion for supporting educators on using and implementing technology be sure to connect with me on the Tech It Up Talk Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram at Tech It Up Talk or at Dr. J.E. McDonald. Now, I know teching may not always be easy,
1: but it sure is fun.